You're listening to Creative God, a sermon series by Pastor Bay Allen. To be with you today in the house of the Lord. Today we are starting a brand new series, uh, one that I'm actually very excited about, uh, a series called Creative God. And today we're going to be looking at creation. We're going all the way back to Genesis chapter 1, which is good for us to do from time to time. I don't know the last time you've been in Genesis chapter 1, but it's good to go and just all the way. Some people like to start in the middle or it's like, I'm going to start with the Psalms when you open up your Bible. Very rarely do you open the first two little pages because they always stick together. Uh, But man, Genesis chapter 1 is a wonderful reminder of the creative God that we serve. And as God's children, that we also um, are we also called to be creative in this kind of way. Now, I'm going to I'm going to get into this a little bit. But before I do, I got to tell you that I am just utterly in awe when I read Genesis chapter one. I am in awe of what God did. Uh, My mind is just like full mind explosion. And uh, so you're going to be along for my ride in that, too, because usually when someone's head gets blown in that way and they start to just kind of sit there in awe, man, you need to get your head checked. No, professionally, you need to like go out and get your head checked so you can see what's going on. Um, And I've always loved kind of psychoanalysts. You know, there's something about people that are gifted in a way where they can tell you the deep, unsettling things about you uh, just by looking at just a moment, like a little snippet of something that you share. Um, And in light of my mind being blown... I'm like, surely someone else's mind is blown too. So I'm going to take you along on this ride. We're going to have uh, what's called a a Rorsak test, also known as an ink blot test. And so wherever you're seated right here, right now, there's no wrong answers, no right answers, but it will tell me a little bit about you. um, (laughs) Just shout out your answer, okay? Uh, Because it's it's interesting to see what we all see together. Go ahead, Donna. What do you see right there? Cheeseburgers. Cheeseburgers. I heard cheeseburgers. Anything else? A moth. A moth. A moth. Okay. Anything else? I originally saw like a couple clowns dancing with like a ball at Johnson. But then the more I started, I mean, I, I ended up seeing actually a comedian table in the middle and seeing the Trinity around it. That's my good Christian answer. What's that? Seahorses. Seahorses. Awesome. Seahorses. Yeah. Coat of arms. Okay. What about this next one? What do you see in this one? Cheeseburger. <laughs> we need to see somebody professional. <laughs> no, we just need to go down to Red Robin. There you go. All right, so. Bart Simpson. Bart Simpson. What was back here? Two people fighting over a flower. Two people fighting over a flower? It's like a brain scan. One person giving a flower. One person giving a flower. There's no fight going on in this version? No fight. A face. A face. In this one, I saw I saw a crown, like a royal crown, with a couple lions on top of it. That's what I saw. Uh, what about this one? This one gets some interesting answers. Chicken. A chicken. Someone else said chicken too. Dancing ballerinas. Dancing ballerinas. People. Two people holding a harp. A heart. Okay. What's that? Holding a purse. Yeah, I heard two ladies fighting over a purse. Like, that's my clutch. That's my name bag. Uh, on this one, I saw just a, a guy with a beard and with dreadlocks. That's what I saw. Like, looking straight at you. That's what I saw. Um, next one. What do you see? Christmas tree. With arms. A Christmas tree with arms? That does tell me a little bit about it. Anything else? Butterfly? 
This one I just saw a group hug. That's what I saw now. I saw a group hug. Like a selfie. Yeah, like a selfie. Group hug. All right, what about this next one right here? A bat? A moth? There was a girl who said, Pegasus. And I'm like, where'd you learn? But totally. Bat. That's what I saw. I saw a bat. What about this one right here? Clown face. Yeah. Bart Simpson. Bart Simpson. We need to talk too. Bart Simpson. That's two Bart Simpson. Whenever someone says the same thing more than once, it makes a psychoanalyst go in. Anyway. All right. Cheeseburgers. Cheeseburgers. Wait a minute. You're displaced. <laughs> On that one, I saw a Christmas tree, like just the top of it with the star up top. That's what I saw. Uh, what about this one? Whoa, what do you see? Yeah, I see. I see nothing. Yeah. I see. I see. No shape. <laughs> Sleep is a good answer. I see no shape, no negative space, no positive space at all. Now Genesis tells us when God saw this, God said, "Let there be mind blunt. Let there be light." Is what God says. I encourage you to turn with me in your Bibles or an applicable app on your smartphone to Genesis chapter 1 as we invite the Word of God to transform us today. Our screen uh, also has the scripture for your convenience where we read, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Now originally I wanted to read through the entirety of Genesis, but realized that would take way too much time. Uh, but most of you have Bibles or Google, so you can definitely get on and read uh, Genesis chapter 1. But I want to talk to you about the creative nature of our God. And uh, I, could, I could spend all day about this. This topic is overwhelming. Uh, I feel like at best all we can do is kind of grab a hold of perhaps fragments of the magnificence of God at work, at creation. And, you know, for most of us, I'd say that's a good start. So let's, let's just dig right in right there. In the beginning, I love a good story. I really do. I love a good story. I always have something that is well written that grabs you. They say you need to grab your reader within like the first five pages of a book. Otherwise, they'll just move right along into something else. Well, here are some one-liners, opening lines of books throughout history that have grabbed the people. Go ahead, Donna. It says, call me Ishmael. What an opening, right? Moby Dick. Uh, What about, it is a truth universally acknowledged that a single man in possession of good fortune must be in one of a wife. <laughs> Pride and prejudice. What about a screaming comes across the sky? A little more modern. That's from the 70s, from Gravity's Rainbow. Um, it was a bright, cold day in April, and the clocks were striking 13. George Orwell. Love it. 1984. Uh, it was the best of times. It was the worst of times. It was the age of wisdom. It was the age of foolishness. It was the epoch of belief. It was the epoch of incredulity. It was the season of light. It was the season of darkness. It was the spring of hope. It was the winter of despair. I think the Apostle Paul would like that opening. Charles Dickens, (laughs) A Tale of Two Cities. 
Um, and this one, I love this. Once upon a time, in a very good time it was, there was a moo cow coming along down the road, and this moo cow that was coming down along the road met a Nysons little boy named Baby Jaku. <laughs> James Joyce. That's actually some of his more easy-to-grasp work from Portrait of the Artist as opposed to Finnegan's Wake or Ulysses. That's a little easier to follow. I don't know about moo cow or two cow, but I got to tell you, he's on to something when he says, once upon a time. What a start to a story. Once upon a time. We have many stories that we could quote uh, from the Brothers Grimm, you name it, about princesses that fall asleep and only wake up with a true love's kiss. There are many stories that start once upon a time. But that opening, as great as it is, is surpassed by in the beginning. That's how you open it. In the beginning. This is not just some time that we happened upon. This is not just a beginning, not a beginning of a journey, not a beginning of a sleeping princess, none of that. This is the beginning. In the beginning, within the first three words of the Holy Bible, the foundation of the world as we know it is opened wide before us. And all we can do is want for more. Three words in. F. Scott Fitzgerald wrote, draw your chair up close to the edge of a precipice and I'll tell you a story. This is how you start a story. My chair is drawn. I'm looking down over the precipice. Can I sprout wings and fly? What is going to happen? Mind blown. This is how you open a story. This is creation. All that science can wrap its head around is right here. All that science cannot wrap its head around is right here. We have a rhythm that's laid out for us. There are days that are mentioned in the creation narrative. Are they literal days? You be the judge. But what is important is regardless of if it's literally seven days or millions or billions of years, what is important is a rhythm is laid out for us in the beginning. Day one, God created, God played, God worked at it. Now, to imitate God in this way, I've never met someone who's made something from absolutely nothing, ever. Never met anyone. You know, uh, even Solomon, the wisest man that ever lived. Uh, Ladies, take note that in the Old Testament, wisdom was always portrayed as a woman. Uh, But the wisest man who ever lived said there's nothing new under the sun. Pretty wise. I've never seen anyone make something out of nothing. Even scientists tell you like the energy that we have, the particles, even on a subatomic level, they've been here. Nothing new. It's just a reconfiguration of what's already there. So even in light of that, what's important is whether it came about through a big bang or not, in the beginning, God said, and boom, there was light. There was light. My mind blew up with it. Boom. Nothing new under the sun. I pray that you spend some time with this first chapter of the Bible. Really soak it in because there is a lot there. We see our creative God at work. Now allow me to just summarize the entirety of uh, Genesis chapter 1. These are some lyrics uh, to a song that I wrote. So it's a poem, I guess. When the world was new and all was dark, the spirit of the Lord was there. Creation. When the world was new, God spoke and there was spark. There was light, there was light, creation. When the world was new and the waters filled the earth, God looked down into the depths of creation. 
When the world was new, God painted the skies up above the water. There was evening, there was day, creation. When the world was new and the waters still filled the earth, God formed the mountains and land, creation. When the world was new, God planted every flower and fruit and tree, and they all rose up singing, creation. When the world was new, God made the fish and the eagle. They swam the deep and soared the winds of creation. When the world was new, God blessed the fullness of what God made, said, go forth and multiply creation. When the world was new, God made animals to roam the earth. Oh, such beautiful diversity, creation. When the world was new, God made people, breathed the breath of life into the people said, we give all we've made to you, creation. And the Lord said, listen what the Lord said. And the Lord said, it was good. God looked down at all they made, and seeing that it was good, God rested. Seeing that it was good, God rested. Like I said, go back, reread Genesis chapter 1. God made all that we see, all that we make sense of. In this world. And as I was thinking about what to really dig in on this week, what to focus on, should I focus on let there be light? Should I focus on, you know, the dry land being made, uh, the, the stars in the sky, the animals, the plants, the people? What should I focus on? I kind of fell into something like, like this. Here, let me pose it to you. If you were to portray God, pretend to be God, and don't look at me like that, people. People have pretended to be God for a long time. But if you were to be God, what would be your crowning jewel of creation? Shout it out if you have something that's near and dear to your heart. Out of all creation, what do you find the most blessing in as a person? What are you blessed by? Love. Love? Your children? Okay. Life? Okay. Okay. Now, I was looking all of, there's no, again, just like the worst act, there's no right or wrong answer. But as I was trying to think about what to speak about today, I'm going a little bit outside of the tangible on this. I look at creation, the creation narrative. One of the greatest things that I see is right at the very end, in chapter 2, verses 1 to 2, rest. God created rest. Devoted an entire day to it. Rest. This wasn't God taking a break from creation. This was God moving forward with an even more creative creation out of the box. We saw God not only make something out of nothing, but now we witnessed the something entering into a portion of a nothing. What is that all about? Rest. In the midst of all this tangible creation, God creates rest. Now, musicians get this. Musicians tend to understand. Well, some do. (laughs) I I oftentimes fail at this. Some musicians do. They understand that sometimes the most powerful part of a song is not what you play. What you don't play. That's what makes the song powerful. Artists tend to get this. Painters tend to understand that the, the thing that sets an artist apart as a master is not their ability to fill a canvas. 
but rather to create visual ideas, to curate, if you will, visual ideas that are done so in a way that are presentable and understandable to the, the viewer. The empty space allows the eyes to actually settle on a certain desired object within the work. There's storytelling, there's emotion, but to have that, you need that space. You need it. Otherwise, critics will say it's too busy, it's too chaos. No, rest is needed, space is needed. So I want you to hear that today. Because if rest wasn't important, God would not have spent an entire day doing it, and it being recorded. The seventh day was spent on rest. And if rest wasn't important, no one would care about a Bible verse that says, come to me and I will give you. Or verses that inspire men and women of God to, to work hard, to run the race that is before them, because there is a time coming when they will find rest. Rest is important. The problem is with rest, most people uh, I talk to seem to think that rest is to do nothing. They think that rest is to do nothing, but rest is a nothing that is something. Rest is a nothing that is something. In the laws of Moses, and we've given them a hard time here from this very forum before, the laws of Moses that many were done without any heartbeat to them. They were done out of the law to the letter of the law must be obeyed, no heart. But check this law out in Exodus 23, verse 11. It says, during the seventh year, let the land lie unplowed and unused. Then the poor among your people may get food from it, and the wild animals may eat what is left. Do the same with your vineyard and your olive grove. This was known as letting the land lie fallow. It was good for the land to rest. It was good for the land to rest. Notice the parallel, the seventh year. Isn't that interesting? The ancient Jewish people, just in following this command, were reminded of a very powerful point about God. As much as they wanted to grab the John Deere and get to it, they said, God rested. So can I. So can I. It's my turn. I'll be the first to admit it. It is pretty hard to rest when you're constantly go, 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 go. It's hard to find a time to rest. But it is healthy for us to rest. That's why God made it, devoted an entire day to it. We have the freedom to rest. As God's children, we have been given the freedom to rest. I pray that you take that freedom. Especially in light of the 4th of July coming up. People are talking about freedom left and right. Take the freedom to rest. But in closing, don't get lazy. If you go home today, prop your feet up, turn the TV on, and don't even get out of that position within the next two weeks because Pastor Bay told me to rest, <laughs> then you did not hear what took place at creation. That's not what God showed us at creation. Rest, but do it to enhance your creativity, to rejuvenate. And you may not feel creative at times. You may have been told your whole life you're not creative. But i got to tell you, we're the children of a creative God. We are the children of a creative God, and we were made in the likeness of a creative God. So, based off of this little thing I learned in the third grade called the reflective property, I'd say we're pretty creative. 
I'd say we're pretty creative. So create. Let your rest be a portion of that creative process. You need it. You don't want to get burned out. You don't want your insurance rates to go up because your stress level is too high. No. Rest. Even in the work. Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 to 29 tells us, Come to me, you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for yourself. Someone turn to your neighbor and say rest. 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 And again, rest isn't sleep. Rest is a peace that we have that comes from knowing our God who created rest. Jesus Christ, where, where Jesus says, I will give you rest. That was totally Jesus's to give. Jesus, fully man, fully God. Jesus was at creation. Jesus created rest. If anyone who has ever walked this planet could actually say, I can give you rest. Guess who it is? Jesus. Jesus says, I will give you rest. I pray that you receive that gift. I pray that you don't abuse that gift. I pray that you allow your mind to be blown once again with the creative nature of God while you rest. Because that creative nature of God that was at the beginning is now and will be forever. As the children of God, we're heirs to that. We are heirs to that. I'm going to ask that the worship team uh, comes forward. Or at least, Big Tom, would you come forward at, least, at the very least? I just want a little bit of light, light piano. A little bit of creative nuance, if you will. Because it is right for us to give thanks for the things that God has given us through creation. And at creation, God said, go out and multiply. And I think that applied to creativeness in itself. It is right. It is just that we give thanks to God. A right, a good, a joyful thing, always and everywhere to give thanks to God, creator of heaven and earth. O God, before the mountains were brought forth, or you had formed the earth from everlasting to everlasting, you alone are God. You created light out of the darkness and brought forth life on the earth. You formed us in your image and breathed the breath of life into us. You blessed humankind before any of our accomplishments, any of our shortcomings. God, you made a way for preservation even when the profanity of our existence warranted destruction. Even when we chose captivity, you delivered us and spoke to us through your prophets. You who placed the stars in the sky at creation sent another star when the time was right to guide the wise men to where Christ was born. And in your signs and witnesses in every age and through all the world, you have led your people from far places to that light. Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. In his baptism and in table fellowship, he took his place with the sinners. He ate with sinners. Your spirit, God, anointed Jesus preach the good news to the poor, to proclaim release to the captives and recovering sight to the blind, to set a liberty, set at liberty those who are oppressed 
and to announce that the time had come when you would save your people. This is our God. This is our God. Our creative God at work. At work for reconciliation, for recreation in Christ. Hear the good news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That proves God's love toward us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. I too need to hear these words. Can you can you say this to your pastor? Can you remind me of this? Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. God is a God of creation, of recreation, of new life, a God of forgiveness. Would you pray with me? Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and the fruit of the vine. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ that we may be for the world the body of Christ, redeemed by his blood. Amen. I feel like something's incomplete. Does anyone have a lighter? I want to have a lighter. So we celebrate the light of the world in our midst. We usually have We're good ones. You're no less in the kingdom. <laughs> Candles are not a necessary thing. The fan may blow them out, but God is with us in this place. That roar sack where I saw the Trinity around the communion table. <laughs> God is with us around this table. And we celebrate, we have one loaf. And I'm so glad that there is one loaf because we may be different. We may look different. We may sound different. We may have different accents and wear different Hawaiian shirts or solid prints. Throughout all of our differences, there's one loaf. There's one loaf. There's one God. Because there is one loaf, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one loaf. The bread which we break is a sharing in the body of Christ. And just as there is one loaf, there is, there is one cup. It may look different at times. Today it's blue, because that reminds me of the waters of creation. It may look different at times, but there is one cup. The cup over which we give thanks is a sharing in the blood of Christ. And on the night where Jesus was to give himself up for the salvation of the world, he was at table with his closest friends, with his disciples. And he took the loaf. He gave thanks to God in heaven and he broke the loaf. He turned to his disciples and he said, take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this. Eat it. Remembrance of me. After they had had supper in a similar way, Jesus took the cup and he gave thanks to God in heaven. 
turning to his disciples, his loved ones, his friends, he said, this cup is my blood of the new covenant, poured out for you and for many, with forgiveness of sins. As often as you drink, do so in remembrance of me. That table of friends is the table that we are all invited to today. Same table. The Trinity is dancing around this table. The people of God around the world, those who have come before, are dancing around this table. So hear the words of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Come to me and I will give you May you as God's children carry on the creative work that has been entrusted to you. May you work. May you do God's great work. But don't forget to let the land lay fallow. Don't forget to rest. Don't forget the rhythm that has been presented to us all as an example. God's holy example at the dawn of creation. On the seventh day, Go in love, go in mercy, go in grace, and experience the blessings that God has given.